Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Tonight on The Readout. Are you really saying you would throw out the ballots of 740,000 no, and three no, quarters I, of a million Arizonans? I mean, those were 740,000 ballots violated chain of custody requirements in Maricopa County. In Mar- I mean, first of all, it, it's, it's not true. I mean, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors put out a 98-page report okay, that went that through these allegations. Fact. That is a fact. Check your facts. Not true. Not remotely true. But the threat to democracy is real. And with two weeks until Election Day, we are already witnessing how that threat is becoming a reality. Also tonight, you'd think Justice Clarence Thomas would stay out of any cases involving Trump's big lie, given that he's Ginny's husband. But he's gotten involved again to help out one of Trump's Washington cronies. And Republicans love to point the finger of blame about inflation. But do they even have a plan? What would it mean? For the U.S. economy, if their plan was implemented. Plus, if you want to be the Republican nominee for president, apparently you got to break a few laws. New reporting tonight on the migrant flights organized by Ron DeSantis. We begin tonight with the open, unabashed rise of anti-Semitism. Over the weekend, a hate group hung a banner over a busy Los Angeles freeway in support of Kanye West who as of this evening has lost his agent and his lawyer after a bizarre descent into anti-Semitic hate on social media, including declaring, quote, death con three against Jewish people. The group sign said Kanye is right about the Jews. And the group added to the hate flourish by flashing the one-armed Nazi salute. And that would be bad enough if this was just one isolated incident. But of course, it's not. In Pennsylvania, extremism and anti-Semitism continue to dominate the governor's race, where Doug Mastriano, the Republican nominee, is running against the state's attorney general, Josh Shapiro, who is Jewish. A senior advisor to Mastriano recently tweeted that Shapiro is, quote, at best a secular Jew, a bizarre comment reeking of anti-Semitic overtones. Mastriano himself has lashed out against his Democratic rival for going to Jewish day schools and sending his kids to one. It all echoes Donald Trump's long history with anti-Semitic tropes, something that we saw emerge again earlier this month when he posted on his bootleg Twitter variant that Jews in the United States must get their act together and show more appreciation for the state of Israel before it's too late. Then there's Arizona, where election-denying candidate Mark Fincham routinely traffics in anti-Semitic tropes, including the now-familiar right-wing tack of invoking the name of billionaire George Soros, including in a tweet over the weekend defending the actions of poll watchers in Arizona. With just 15 days until the midterms, we are seeing in real time that Arizona is a microcosm for election lies spawning voter suppression and intimidation. The Maricopa County Elections Department confirmed that two armed individuals in tactical gear and masks stood watch over a drop box in Mesa, Arizona, over the weekend. Yeah, not intimidating at all. Officials are warning about the prospect of things getting even worse. 
saying that they're fielding voter intimidation complaints, which, as far as the MAGA crowd is concerned, is very much the point. Arizona officials are warning of more more uninformed vigilantes and numerous reports of a growing army of self-proclaimed election observers recruited by right-wing groups promoting the former president's big lie. They're abetted by election deniers like Republican candidate for governor Carrie Lake, who, despite Arizona's 2020 election being the most scrutinized election in the country, repeated unfounded election lies while again refusing to explicitly commit to accepting the results of this year's election. Why it is that you have not said, or maybe you'll do it now, you have not said that you will accept the certified results of this election even if you lose this election? I will accept the results of this election if we have a fair, honest, and transparent election. Absolutely, 100%. So, so if, 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 if you were to lose, and you're ahead, but, but if you were to lose, and you went out, and you had all your appeals, they went through... As long as it's fair, honest, and transparent. And cert- Lake also all but promised to do away with mail-in voting if elected. And in addition to being an election denier, the former local news anchor is a leading MAGA Republican warrior against the boogeyman of... Wokeism, as evidenced by another one of her threats on Sunday. I'm not going to be taking marching orders from the NFL. I'm taking marching orders from the people of Arizona. Apparently, the not actually all that progressive NFL is a problem for Lake. She doubled down on Twitter, daring the NFL to pull the 2023 Super Bowl from Glendale, Arizona, after she declares an invasion at the southern border following some not unprecedented racist footsteps from an Arizona Republican. Republican Evan Meacham ran for governor in 1986 on a pledge to rescind the state holiday honoring the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And he did just that after being sworn in. In 1990, Arizona faced a proposal to add the Dr. King holiday back onto the calendar, days after a warning from the NFL about the fate of the 1993 Super Bowl set to be played in Phoenix. So how'd that go? By election day, the measure to celebrate Martin Luther King Day statewide, though it had been leading in the polls, was defeated. The campaign against it led by former Governor Evan Meekham. And NFL Commissioner Paul Tagliabue announced he would make good his threat and recommend the Super Bowl go elsewhere. I felt, and I know that it's shared by a lot of the honors, that there was a very negative uh, and divisive message in that vote rejecting the holiday, and we didn't think it's appropriate to play the game in those circumstances. Joining me now is Maria Teresa Kumar, president and CEO of Volta Latino and an MSNBC contributor and political analyst Matthew Dowd, who was the chief strategist of the Bush-Cheney 2004 presidential campaign. Thank you both for being here. MTK, I do want to start with you because it, it feels to me like the biggest retrenchments um, led by MAGA Republicans have been in states that have actually progressed, right? Arizona used to be an anti-King holiday state. Then it was a John McCain conservative state. And now it's actually got two Democratic United States senators. It's seen as becoming a bit more sort of progressive. You're seeing Texas, which demographically is changing. There's lots culturally going on in places like Texas. Nevada, they're fighting really hard to pull that backwards. Georgia. And, and the things that these places have in common— are lots of immigration, <laughs> lots of brown people that are turning uh, voting age who are U.S. born uh, and they're able to vote. And that feels like that's triggering a lot of this backlash. What do you think? 
That is exactly right. And that's one of the reasons why every single state that you mentioned in Voto Latino has been working in those states for the last decade, if not more. To give you an idea, in Arizona, we're expecting 80,000 young people to turn 18 by November's election. That is a state where Joe Biden won with less than 12,000 votes. And so when we talk about the vigilante that's happening, it's very much is about de demographics. In Georgia, when you look at the African-American community, the Latino community and the Asian community, all of a sudden you're talking about a voting block that is vastly different from what Georgia has historically been accustomed to, but that needs to adapt. And when we talk about what's happening right now with the voting booth and the access to it, every single American, Joy, should be absolutely angry that they're trying to change the rules in the middle of an election. That's why tonight, this is breaking news to you, Joy, but Latino, along with the Arizona Alliance for Retired Americans, has just filed a lawsuit against the election, the Clean Elections USA. Those vigilante photos that you showed us, they're part of that cohort of individuals that are getting recruited by this extreme right-wing Clean Elections USA, who is claiming that they have to ensure that there are clean elections, but what they're doing is intimidating voters, disproportionately older voters and individual people of color. And so we can't stand, you know, we can't sit by. This is what's happening right now in our democracy. And the more that we say that it's business as usual, then all of a sudden we're allowing individuals of the far right extreme take essence of our democracy in a way that will not we will not be able to pull back. It's almost like we're, we're seeing this, you know, really a very much a fight for the soul of our nation, whether we're talking about anti-Semitism, where we're talking about anti-Blackness, where we're talking about whether a woman has agency over her body or whether people talk about immigration reform under really the guise of hate. We really have to be able to push back and say not on our watch. Right. I mean, and Matthew, it, it does all go together, right? Because sort of the conspiracy theory that underlines fascism and that's always been that communistic Jewish people are have a conspiracy to bring in more black and brown people and that those people are going to vote and they're going to overwhelm and replace white Christians. Like, this goes back to, like, the 50s and 60s, right? But now it does feel like it's accelerating. You think about a state like Georgia, where the, you know, this is a woman, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who traffics in blatant anti-Semitism, QAnon conspiracies. She's now telling people that Donald Trump has said she'll be his running mate. I 100 percent believe it. And, and the thing is, is that somebody like Marjorie Greene, to emerge at the same time that you have the first Jewish and you have an African-American United States senator in that state, it feels like those are not coincidental. What do you think? Well, I don't think anything of this is coincidental. I mean, you mentioned the 50s and 60s. Obviously, what's happening today with the vigilantes harkens back to what was going on in the South with intimidations by sheriffs and deputy sheriffs, because as African-Americans began to actually take their power and vote, they were then subject to all kinds of intimidation. But it goes further back. Every time there's an influx of immigrants or the face of America begins to change, you look at every period of history where that happened in the early 1900s, in the 1800s, with whether it's whether it's Italians, Irish, Chinese, Japanese, Jews. Every time that happens, there's a rise of this hate and there's a pushback against the by the power structure in this. I think all of this is a sign, a reflection that Republicans and this white nationalist movement knows that America is a multicultural, diverse country, all of this. And they know without these things, they cannot win. And they're going to do this. This is an awful strategy. 
in the short term, I mean, for us, all of us, it doesn't work in the long term because of the inexorable change of America. But in the short term, that's their only plate. They know if a majority of people vote and, and go to the polls, they can't win. So their goal, like it has been throughout our history, to keep anybody that doesn't isn't a white Christian nationalist from holding power in this country. You know, and, and I mean, I, you go through state by state, um, Maria Teresa. I mean, Cortez Masto, the only Latina in the United States Senate, right? You know, you think about Josh Shapiro, who is a Jewish man who is running for the United States um, Senate or running, you know, the, the running statewide in Pennsylvania. The targeting is direct. And then when you do see vigilantes, I don't know if we can put that picture back up, vigilantes standing outside of drop boxes. Well, who uses drop boxes? Lower income voters people who work hourly jobs, students, people who can't take election day off, people who can't necessarily get to the polls. And so the drop boxes are for them. That's who uses them. And trying to essentially scare people away. You had Nazis marching in Florida, waving DeSantis signs. He didn't even condemn it. It's at the point now where Republicans can't even condemn Nazis and they have embraced Kanye West. And by the way, Kanye West has no actual power. He's just an entertainer. But he's become sort of almost like a, a, a thematic um, sort of member of their of the tribe. Right. They, they, they're embracing him at just the time that he's submerging himself in anti-Semitism. That's when he's Tucker's best friend. It's so open and obvious now that it is a little bit frightening. Well, and this is what's concerning is it's very clear that they're also using Kanye West because they want to be able to identify that it's not a white nationalist thing, right? Uh, this is absolutely a white nationalist thing that is that is being percolated. And it's not happening just in the United States, but worldwide. But we are, we have been historically the leaders of making sure that we stamp this stuff out. And we have to make sure that this election is a referendum on what the Republicans are doing, being very clear that this is not the country that we want to lead into the future. And for folks that are right now, when we're looking at the polls, everyone's saying, well, we're seeing the levels of enthusiasm among voters in Georgia closer to what we saw in 2020. But that's older people. The majority of votes that we're seeing in the older votes right now are older people. We desperately need young people to come out. The multicultural generation that really reflects this, you know, what Matthew was talking about, this new generation of Americans, their numbers are down. And part of it is because people always talk to high propensity voters. By default, young people aren't. But we need them to come out to be part of this idea that we are holding the line. We're making sure that we're not going to have anti-Semitism, anti-immigrant, making sure that women have agency over their bodies. And it's real. This is not a drill. This is not an exercise. This is happening right now on our watch. And someday, if you're not participating in this election, when everything goes south, people are going to say, well, where were you? And you're going to sheepishly yeah. say, well, I'm not sure if my vote counted. You know, and Matthew, we talk about this all the time. Democracy on the ballot. It's not just a slogan. You know, I mean, we're talking about women literally losing agency over themselves. Donald Trump has said, you know where he's going to challenge the election? Already in advance, he says he's going to do it. Philly. That's a dog whistle, right? I mean, it's not even being hidden. At this point, it's just fascism in the open. And what scares me is that I'm not sure everybody minds. You know, I think there are some people who will just sit back and let it happen, thinking it won't be that bad. And that, to me, is almost well, more dangerous than the radicals. Well, I mean, I'm not calling uh, I'm not going to say that, you know, the GOP are Nazis at this point or whatever. But it certainly sounds very familiar to what happened in Germany, which is a bunch of citizens. Adolf Hitler gets a third of the vote 
Nobody thought it could happen there. They kind of went along because they said he was going to solve the economy and fix inflation. Yeah, uh, you can, that's right. You can hear those sorts of things. And then, oh, lo and behold, a few years later, they lost their democracy. And they're all like, how'd that happen here? That's my worry. That is my worry. If Obviously, the price of a hamburger, the price of milk, the, the price of gas is concerning. But what is what does, that is a short term problem. The loss of a democracy will decimate everyone's freedom. I think this is a, we shouldn't try to be saying you need to adopt our culture or whatever it happens to sure. be. That is the white nationalist. It should be. We stand for democracy. We stand for the Constitution and the dignity of all. That's what we stand for. And if you're with us, join us. That's exactly right. And then we can all argue about tax rates and normal politics later. But we got to have a democracy to have anything to argue about. Otherwise, there's no point. There's nothing to argue about. You have no control over your society. Maria Teresa Kumar, Matthew Dowd, thank you both very much. Up next on The Readout, Lindsey Graham asked the Supreme Court to protect him from the Georgia prosecutor's election probe. Guess which justice came to his aid today? You'll never guess. Never, never, never. The Readout continues after this break. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control our bodies and get the health care we need has been stolen from us. And now, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, we can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. These days, it appears that just about anyone or anything associated with Donald Trump is either under investigation, facing a criminal trial, or a witness to a potential crime. Today, jury selection began in the criminal tax fraud trial of Trump's family business in New York City. The Trump Organization is accused of a 15-year scheme to provide off-the-books perks to its top executives, including rent and luxury cars and even private school tuition, to help both the company and the executives avoid paying taxes on the millions of dollars in those perks. The star witness for the prosecution will be the company's former chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg, who pleaded guilty in the case over the summer. As part of his plea agreement, he agreed to testify against the company. What feels like the bigger news today happened in the Supreme Court, where Justice Clarence Thomas came to the rescue of Trump's friend and partner in trying to overturn the presidential election results in Georgia, Senator Lindsey Graham. Graham is fighting a subpoena to testify before Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis's grand jury investigation for some reason. 
Justice Thomas has temporarily blocked a lower court's order requiring Graham to answer questions about the phone calls he made to Georgia election officials in the weeks after the 2020 race was called. Oh, and get this. The ultimate decision as to whether Graham will have to testify could be made by Justice Thomas himself, or he could bring it to the other justices on the 6-3 White Ring Supreme Court to decide. And join me now is Glenn Kirshner, MSNBC legal analyst and former federal prosecutor. I saw Harry Lippman tweeting about this, and it was sort of a calm you down kind of tweet. But I mean, it, it, it sure is suspicious looking for Clarence Thomas to be the one to rescue Lindsey Graham from having to testify. Talk me down. Is this something I should be concerned about? Joy, I can only talk you down in part because it seems like the Supreme Court is willing to embrace the stench of illegitimacy. I don't understand why they continue to dig themselves deeper and deeper into the hole of illegitimacy. I mean, their reputation, their credibility is being damaged every day, I believe, in the eyes of the American people. And there are ways to avoid it. You know, the word recusal doesn't seem to be in Clarence Thomas's lexicon. He's wading in to the same territory in which he has a conflict. He's the one who voted to withhold his yeah. own wife's deeply damaging and potentially incriminating text messages to Mark Meadows, urging him to overturn the results of a presidential election. But here we go again. Now, we, we can perhaps talk each other down a little bit, because it looks like this is a temporary pause. And it looks like Clarence Thomas said, we're going to wait to receive the legal brief from Fonnie Willis and her team, which is due on Thursday. And then, as you say, Clarence Thomas can still act on his own and either reject Lindsey Graham's claims or accept them and say, yeah, we do think Lindsey Graham is above the law. And he shouldn't have to testify about the crimes of Donald Trump or Clarence Thomas can give the issue to the entire court, which I think is the only way to at least pretend the decision yeah. will have some legitimacy. And even then, I don't trust those six people. I mean, they're politicians. I think they've made it very clear. They're ideologues and politicians. Let me just read some of what Democrats are saying, because the thing is, the court doesn't have an army, as many people have said. All they have is illegitimacy. This is what some Democratic uh, senators have said. Rep I mean, representatives have said. Jan Schakowsky, another day, another conflict of interest of Clarence Thomas revealed. Add to this um, the laundry list of impeachable offenses he's committed. He has no business being on the Supreme Court and no shame. Uh, Representative Mark Pocken, Clarence Thomas, husband of 2020 election denier, blocks grand jury testimony from election interfere Lindsey Graham. Disgusting. Any other judge in the country would recuse. I could just go on. Catherine Clark, we need answers. Um, are we going to protect our democracy? We need truth and transparency. Gwen Moore um, says again and again, we see the Supreme Court justices making partisan rulings. I mean, it's really hard to disagree with any of that, Glenn, because it's very clear that the six of these, at least five of the six, have a very clear agenda. And they're going to implement their agenda regardless of whether we see it as legitimate. And there's nothing that can stop them. Do you think there's a risk now that because they're being so blatant, more Democrats might sign on to the idea of expanding the court or taking some other action to reduce their unbridled power? Yeah, I think there has to be some way to, to clean house, to sort of level the playing field. And I think expanding the court makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. But at this moment, some of the justices seem content to revel in the stench of their own legitimacy. And here's my concern. We all have a stake 
in a legitimate Supreme Court, because once the people begin to feel like the courts are so illegitimate that, you know, why should they obey the law if the ruling class criminals don't need to obey the law? You know, that presents real problems for our nation. And by the way, very quickly, I could say the same thing about what's happening in New York. The reason we did the Supreme Court story first is I don't think anyone watching the show has any confidence that Trump is ever going to pay a price for not paying taxes for 15 years. A $1.5 million fine, that's the max they can do. They can't dissolve the company. That You cannot pay taxes for 15 years, commit blatant tax fraud, and that's it? You can steal documents and get away with it from the federal government, take home your White House classified documents— It's almost as if Trump is uh, above the law. And I think the courts are they're making that clear. Yeah, Joy, to this old prosecutor, this looks like a show trial in New York. It looks like a a sham. Why? Because you have the chief executive officer who benefited from a 15 year long criminal scheme to defraud in the first degree. You have an organization that bears Donald Trump's name that benefited from that same 15 year long criminal scheme to defraud. And the man who sits atop the organization who ran it, who similarly benefited from all this fraud is nowhere to be found. No accountability for him. This, to me, feels like a show trial. The rich have uh, live in a different system from the rest of us, and it just keeps getting repeated over and over and over again. Glenn Kirshner, thank you much, my friend. appreciate you. Uh, before we go to break, I do want to tell you about yet another school shooting that happened today uh, a Saint, at a St. Louis high school. Two people are dead, including a 61-year-old teacher named Jean Kushka and a female teacher whose name has not yet been released. Seven others were injured and taken to the hospital. The suspect, a 19-year-old who graduated from the high school last year, was killed in a gunfire exchange with the police. As of October 13th, there have been 140 incidents of gunfire on school grounds so far this year, resulting in 46 deaths and 111 injuries, according to Every Town for Gun Research. And yet somehow, school shootings are not part of Republicans' crime campaign messaging. I wonder why. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. With the midterms just over two weeks away, Republicans, frankly, with some help from the Beltway media, are counting on inflation to be the winning issue that gets them back in power. So, okay, all right, let's take them up on their narrative. How would a Republican House and Senate tackle inflation? Well, take a listen to what one Republican senator said yesterday when asked that very question. 
Oh, I, I think a lot of the solution is in all of the above energy policy. Two years ago today, we were a net exporter of energy. Now we're a net importer of energy. Energy factors into every other cost. There's no reason for us to have the energy concerns that other countries in the world have today. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to, to stop saying that uh, uh, spending more money like the Democrats did in the bill they passed this year, again, on a totally partisan basis, uh, is going to do things that... that uh, really stabilize the economy. Okay, well, putting aside that that wasn't exactly an answer, reducing inflation will not be as easy as they try to make it sound. For one thing, the inflation that we're all experiencing right now is a global issue, not a local one, primarily driven by the pandemic and the war in Ukraine. Countries all over the world are dealing with high prices and soaring inflation. Most countries worse off than the U.S. Look at this. The U.S. is 10th on the list under the Netherlands, the U.K., Italy, Spain, Germany. And unless Joe Biden is the president of the whole world, it's doubtful he's causing that or that any U.S. political party can end it. And when it comes to the economy, Republicans have been quite transparent about what they would do, including gutting Social Security and Medicare, turning them into temporary programs and holding up the debt limit, essentially to take it as a hostage threatening to let it crash if they don't get to gut those programs that Americans already paid for in taxes. And of course, giving more tax cuts to the super rich and to corporations is what they do. This is not an exaggeration. These are all policy proposals Republicans have said that they intend to implement if they get control of Congress. And President Biden today warned that if they did, there would be ugly consequences. In order to cut Social Security and Medicare, they're threatening a default on the federal debt. There's nothing, nothing that will create more chaos, more inflation, and more damage to the American economy than this. Think about it. Republicans are determined to hold the economy hostage, either given to their demands on Social Security and Medicare, which millions of Americans rely on and earned and paid for, or Republicans are going to crash the economy. Stephanie Rule, my friend, joins me now. Uh, she's business analyst and host of the 11th Hour right here on MSNBC and my pal. So listen, Stephanie, this to me, when Rick Scott came out and said, hey, I got a whole booklet on how I'm going to sunset so Social Security and Medicare every five years and basically make them have to beg for their supper every five years to exist. And they're going to slash it and cap the age at 90. So basically, if you're old, they're going to make sure that you are extremely poor into your dotage. I don't know how that fixes inflation, but you're the money lady. Does that fix inflation, destroying hey, Social Security and Medicare? <laughs> not only does it not fix inflation, but I don't know how it gets you reelected in the state of Florida. Do the good brothers and sisters who live at the villages hear what Rick Scott wants to do and rush to the polls? When I hear about those policy proposals, what I wonder about is what Republican voters actually hear. Because yeah. if they want to hold up the debt ceiling and tank the markets, well, that's certainly going to upset the business community. And for senior citizens who loyally vote Republican, they certainly don't want their Social Security messed with. So, yes, Republicans have done a brilliant job hammering fear, problems around inflation, and they are real problems into the hearts and minds of the American people. What they haven't offered is a prescription to solve it. Right. It ain't easy. And the, the prescription that they've wrapped their arms around is the Liz Trust solution. She lasted, what, 42 days giving the solution they want to do. Larry Kudlow was like, I love it. Right. She wants to slash uh, the tax rates on the super rich, which is what they always want to do. Does, slashing taxes on the super rich does not do anything about inflation. But that is their only policy and drill. 
drill, 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 drill all over Alaska and stuff. Listen, you're going to quickly see Republicans back off from what they said just a few weeks ago, complimenting Liz Truss. But I actually sat down with our Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, today and asked her that very question, because a lot of people are looking at what happened, what is happening in the U.K. At this point, there is no financial stability there. The markets have dried up, so they can't even address inflation. And I asked her, are you worried about what's happening over there could happen here? Watch this. Let's play it. Are you worried? Are you looking to the UK that is obviously in peril where they can't even address inflation because they don't have financial stability? Could that be us? I think a responsible fiscal policy in times like these is important. And the markets really questioned whether or not the fiscal plans that had been put forward in the UK were credible or whether or not they would lead to spiraling debt. And um, I think it's important for the United States. I believe we are on a fiscally sustainable path. I mean, is Rishi? Go ahead, go. She's in a, Janet Yellen, though, is in a difficult spot. Here's why. The Biden administration has done a lot to address the economy, from infrastructure spending to the, um, to the, Inflation Reduction Act to just last week, you can now buy hearing aids over the counter. Huge positives. But most of what they have done are going to take time for the American people to see. And you know this as well as I do. We live in a world of short-termism. And people are saying, my life costs more money. I don't remember how bad it was two years ago or 10 years ago, even though it was terrible in the financial crisis, horrible two years ago. And they're saying, well, I don't particularly like the person in office. But the question to voters and what Democrats need to push in these last few days is, what are you going to get on the other side? I mean, they can't make a bumper sticker that says it could have been worse, but that's kind of what they need to do. Well, I mean, the thing about it is, you know, Biden has presided over, like, you know, sinking unemployment rate from 6.4 down to 3.5 percent. Basically, we're at total employment, right? We have businesses are begging for people to come work there. There's, you know, it's basically a seller's market if you are looking for a job. But you're right. The the short-termism of the way people just feel mood-wise about the economy— I don't know what else Biden could do. I mean, Biden is giving student debt relief. You know, he's taking marijuana off schedule one. Like, he's doing stuff that's immediate. But to your point, his larger economic plans will kick in a year from now. Are Democrats basically hobbled by the fact that they do all the policy and Republicans just cheat off their homework, go home and hail the bridges in their districts, and then do nothing but cut taxes for the rich? and— But let's just be honest about Democrats. Sometimes Democrats need to tout a better economic message. Sometimes Democrats are too afraid to do it because you know what? Not everybody is ever going to win. There's always people that are going to be vulnerable and economically suffering. And I get that because of that empathetic voice. Democrats don't want to run a victory lap. But you know what? In the game of politics, you need to because people want to feel like I want to be with the party that's going to help me be financially secure. They're the ones doing it. They should say it. Yeah, they should absolutely say it. And look, I don't know if a lot of seniors understand what it would mean to sunset Social Security and Medicare every five years, but you don't want that, baby. You don't you don't want to live in that world. But that's what they're saying they're going to do. Believe it when they say they're going to do stuff. They said they were going to get rid of Roe. They did it. Stephanie Rule, my friend, cannot wait to watch you tonight. Thank you, my sister. I Always appreciate you. Don't you. miss. Mwah. Cheers. Mwah. Don't miss Stephanie Rule's full interview with Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen tonight on the 11th hour. Y'all need to watch this. You got to understand the economy. It would really help if more people did. Some excellent new reporting is shedding 
sheds more light on Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' migrant stunt. Oh, and yeah, the whole thing was just as shady as you'd expect. We'll be right back. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who runs a state that definitely does not border Mexico, has railed against migrants seeking refuge in this country. Florida, where about half of Venezuelans in the U.S. live, paid nearly 1.6 million taxpayer dollars to fly roughly 50 Venezuelan men, women, and children to Martha's Vineyard in a political stunt designed to boost Chairman Ron with the MAGA faith. DeSantis has relished his role in staging this fight, claiming he's protecting Florida from the negative ramifications of a surge in border crossings. In the past few days, the Miami Herald uncovered just how important this was to the governor and how he and his administration benefited from undocumented migrant labor in their scheme. According to the Herald, DeSantis officials began researching the stunt weeks before the flight. The Herald writes that the DeSantis San Antonio operation was far bigger and better organized than previously known, with more than half a dozen recruiters and support staff on the ground and some operational logistics handled from Florida. One of the companies leading the logistics was Vertol Systems, which had ties to top DeSantis officials. It was this company that hired the infamous contractor named Perla Huerta, a former army agent. What was not known until Friday, thanks to the Herald, was that Perla, working for DeSantis, hired a 27-year-old Venezuelan migrant named Emmanuel to fill the planes that ended up in Massachusetts. He was not legally allowed to work in this country. Emmanuel received three cash payments, totaling $700 for his work for Governor DeSantis. Now, this should be illegal under a 2020 law that DeSantis championed, which requires all government contractors, including his buddies at Vertol Systems, to process all potential employees through an e-verify system, which ensures that individuals are legally allowed to work in this country. It should come as a surprise to absolutely no one that Vertol, the company hired by DeSantis, did not do that. Emmanuel was a top recruiter for Perla and, by extension, for Governor DeSantis. He is now cooperating with the Bear County, Texas Sheriff's Office in its ongoing criminal investigation into the operation. As for Perla Huerta, well, she's vanished. Meanwhile, we're a little more than two weeks out from the elections, and it seems like this is a winning issue for, for the governor among Hispanic voters in Florida. A new Telemundo, uh, new Telemundo LX poll shows that 50 percent of Hispanic voters in Florida approved of DeSantis's relocation of recent migrants, while 43 percent disapproved. Governor DeSantis has been defending the political stunt during his only debate against his Democratic challenger, former Republican Governor Charlie Crist. And we'll bring you the very latest on that debate after the break. Just moments ago, Republican Governor Ron DeSantis and his challenger, former Republican governor and former Democratic House member Charlie Crist, exchanged blows over the current governor's future ambitions. Talk about Joe Biden a lot. I understand. You think you're going to be running against him. I can see how you might get confused. But you're running for governor. You're running for governor. And I have a question for you. You're running for governor. Why don't you look in the eyes of the people of the state of Florida and say to them, if you're reelected, you will serve a full four-year term as governor. Yes or no? Yes or no, Ron? Will you serve a full four-year term if you're reelected governor of Florida? It's not a tough question. It's a fair question. He won't tell you. We did not agree on the candidates asking each other questions. Governor, it's your turn. Well, listen, I know that Charlie's interested in talking about 2024 and Joe Biden, but I just want to make things very, very clear. 
the only worn out old donkey I'm looking to put out to pasture is Charlie Chris. Joining me now is Florida State Senator Annette Tadeo, who's the Democratic nominee for Congress from Florida's 27th District, and Charlie Sykes, editor-at-large at the Bulwark. And I get just a pop quiz to the two of you. I mean, it's clear that Ron DeSantis is running for president. And what he lacks in, you know, charisma, uh, you know, he definitely has in one-liners and stunts. And Tadeo, is it, isn't it clear to everyone in Florida that he just needs to get reelected so he can run for, for president? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And that was a very awkward, silent moment that we got from him where he wouldn't he didn't even know what to say. But of course, always resorts to the the name calling, which is his M.O. The, the sort of smug look on his face, Charlie, you know, tells me that yeah. he's very confident he's going to get reelected. And I think, you know, look, I lived there for a long time and I can tell you I've seen the progression. Florida is a red state now. I don't I don't really think it's really a swing state. I mean, when you look at it just as a as somebody who used to be on the Republican side, do you still see a swing state here? Because I see a red state. No, I think it's become uh, increasingly uh, red. Uh, look, what was interesting watching this debate, I mean, this was a lively debate, and Charlie Crist is a veteran politician. I mean, he is a heavyweight. He has been doing this for a very long time, and he was extremely well prepared. He brought everything. If I made a list of all the things that Charlie Crist should say, he hit every one mm -hmm. of them. But I also have to say that I'm looking at Charlie Crist through this 2024 lens. He clearly did not um, want to answer that question. And I have to say um, that it's going to be interesting how that played down in Mar-a-Lago, uh, because uh, Char Charlie Crist is also, um, let, let's, you know, let's be honest about it. Uh, he held his own in this debate, whether you agree with him or not. And in many ways, this was a little bit of a rehearsal for 2024. And, and could he take the heat? Could he stand up to a veteran debater? And uh, I have to say that, look, uh, nothing that happened in this debate tonight is going to change the outcome of this election. Right. But it's certainly going to increase some of the DeSantis 24 buzz. That's that's my prediction. And, and you know, and today, the thing that is, I think, for a lot of people who don't know Florida, I know that the, the Hispanic vote, the Latino vote is very diverse around the country. Um, if you look at, you know, Mexican-Americans, they tend to be sort of 65, 35 Democrat. But if you look at Cuban-Americans, are very overwhelmingly Republican, at least first generation, particularly Cuban-Americans, very Republican. And one of the things that's been interesting about looking at the way these Venice, the, the Venezuelan migrant flights, these, you know, sort of sending migrants out to, Mass to uh, Massachusetts, it hasn't hurt DeSantis with Republicans. Talk a little bit about the way that the Hispanic vote in Florida is reacting to that. Is there a reaction? Is there a negative reaction? Because it sure doesn't seem like it. Well, I will put it perfect for you, two weeks before those flights, the lieutenant governor actually went on Spanish radio and announced that they were going to be doing this, but they were actually going to be doing it uh, with Cubans in buses Cubans, to yeah. Delaware. Then they yeah. pushed back because there was such outrage from the community that they said, oh, no, we scrapped that. Texas is taking care of all that. We don't have to do that. So that's when they decided to go to Texas to find people to fill the plane. And it turned out to be Venezuelans. So the other issue that they're running into is that Republicans love to stand in Miami and talk about how uh, they're here to to fight communism. And we are here to save everyone that's fleeing communism, except when it's not politically mm. convenient for them. So here, it, Venezuelans are fleeing communism. I don't know what they were thinking, but that is exactly, it's showing their true colors. And uh, But they even said, oh, well, there's not enough Venezuelans voters, so we don't have to worry about it. Mm. So that shows that 
that this is all political. It's really, really horrendous what they have done and how they're playing with people's lives. Many of us who have had to flee to come here. No, absolutely. And I know that your background is from is from Colombia. And, you know, you the, the thing about it is, you know, Charlie, what DeSantis has been very uh, sort of surgical about doing is hurting the right people is the idea. That's right. always been the idea behind MAGAism, is that they is that the base wants you to hurt people, but you have to hurt the right people. You can't hurt Cubans. The Cuban-Americans are our side, so we'll leave them alone, but you can hurt anyone else. Anybody from Central America, you can hurt them. You can hurt LGBT people. This this drag show thing that he's obsessed with in Orlando, they've had to shut it down because they're really attacking, particularly trans, but LGBT people. You can attack black people. You can attack black history. And as long as DeSantis is hurting people, He's actually doing well in the Republican Party. What does that say about Florida? And what does that say about the Republican base? That they want him to hurt well, people. It, it, it certainly says that he's making a play for the Trump mantle. He understands exactly what the Trump base wants. And he's giving to, to them in, in a relatively skilled way, as you point out, the way that he has he has picked out the the one group that he could you know be you know treat this cruelly and get away with it. Um, but clearly what you're also seeing is, and, and, uh, and other people obviously had a, a deeper understanding than I do, um, the the border issue is uh, <clears throat> is is hurting Democrats with Hispanic voters in a way that I don't think that people anticipated. And what, what DeSantis is doing is he's saying, okay, this is terrible. I'm really sorry we had to do this, but, you know, why don't we have this kind of outrage when it's happening in Florida or Texas or California? Why do people only care when it's in Martha's Vineyard? And I have to tell you, the crowd liked it. And I think that this is something going forward that people are going to have to realize you, you have to have an answer for the border. If, if fascism is coming to America, look at Florida as the canary in the coal mine, because the uh, the, the anti-woke stuff also is just about not having empathy. And they don't want empathy because if the young people are empathetic, they might vote for things that make taxes go up. It's all happening in Florida, guys. Pay attention to that state. Florida State Representative, Florida State Senator Annette Tadeo and Charlie Sykes, thank you both very much. Be sure to join me tomorrow night live from the Flying Saucer. Oh, that's a cool name. The Flying Saucer in Fort Worth, Texas, for a special edition of The Readout. Among my guests— the Democratic nominee for Texas governor, Beto O'Rourke himself. You do not want to miss it. He'll be right in here in Texas with me. Um, thank you all for tuning in tonight. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.